Good to see all of you here today. All those serious faces, you're like, okay, so what's this all about? Well, hey, I'm very excited about our brand new series, okay? And, and I hope you're going to be, I promise you, you will be after it's over because you're going to go, man, and hopefully maybe you'll be excited after you leave here today because you're going to get some really, really good news. You may not know it, but you're going to hear it. Okay, so today, if you're a guest here, we're starting a brand new series. You're walking in at the very beginning of the movie. Okay, and if you want, you can watch the whole thing, but it's going to take you five weeks, okay, to watch the whole movie because we basically divide it up into different sections. But it's going to be an incredible, incredible ride for all of us. I'm very excited about it. How many of us in here want to be rich one day? Okay, and the honest people, some of you are like, nah, I don't want to be rich. Yes, you do. Don't lie. You're in church. Can't lie in church. But all of us want to be in a better place than when maybe we are now, right? And uh, if, if you guys hearing a little noise in the, in the speaker, okay, maybe you guys can take care of that. There's, there's been that way. But all of us want a little more than, than what we have. But let me ask you this question. If you were to like get this incredible, you know, the, the what is it, the, uh, the publisher's clearinghouse thing, they just walk up to your door, you didn't even sign up for it, and they walk up to your door, and they bring this big envelope, and they say, here you go, $5,000 a week for the rest of your life, okay, would you jump up and j- for joy? You might, you might, and then you start justifying and say, well, I'm going to do a lot of good with this money, and then all this other stuff, but here's the question, Here's the question, would you know how to be rich? Because I've asked a lot of young people in the last couple weeks, I've asked them, say, hey, do you want to be rich? They say, what if you were to get rich? Would you know how to manage it? Would you know how to handle it? Do you know how to live this out, being rich? And the truth of the matter is, our world, our society does not know how to be rich. So I want to encourage you in the next five weeks, if you can be here, please be here. We're going to hear straight from the scriptures how to do it right. And you're going to hear some horror stories of how people did it wrong. But you have the opportunity to learn how to be rich the way the Bible describes it. And you'll be blessed. And who knows? Because you know how and you have powerful prayers, maybe God just might send some things your way. Okay? And, and some of you think, well, is this the prosperity gospel? No, no, no. We're just doing some base, basic Bible teaching. Because let me just tell you this. In our society today, the way people manage money, it's a train wreck. It's a mess. And, and, and we want to save people from that. We want to we help people have what they need and be blessed with what they have. So go to the, you know, our, our website, you know, and there's some discussion questions. also want to remind you about that. Very, very important that you go over with your small group the discussion questions on the back of your newsletter. Okay, huge. This is huge. Where you can have discussion, you can talk about it, you can get out your feelings, because this is a loaded topic. And it's important that you have a safe group where you can talk, and you can air out some of your questions and your dilemmas, right? I want to give a shout out to the people online. We got a number of people online today uh, traveling. It's great to see you guys. And Look forward to seeing what you think. So let's start out with a question. How much money would it take? How much money would it take for you to be rich? Okay? How much money would it take for you to be rich? 
Okay? Here's the interesting thing. For different people, it's a different amount. Now, I don't believe there's any two of you that would probably give the same amount, but I guarantee you would answer the question with this answer. You would say, a little more than what I have right now, or maybe a lot more than what I have right now. And how much would be enough to be rich? More than what I have, right? You would probably answer that. Another thing is that has to do with this whole concept of whether you're rich or not is how you grew up and where you grew up. And some of you guys have heard my story, but I wanted to share this because, you know, you have to go deep and ask yourself, okay, if I am rich, how, how, how did I get that way of thinking? And if I'm not rich, how did I get that thinking also? And, you know, the interesting thing about technology is you can go to your old neighborhood and find your house and see a picture of your house. So I want to show you guys a picture of my house where I grew up. Okay? This was in Gainesville, Florida. This is the house that I grew up in. Okay? I, I'm not sure, but it's on Google. You can Google it. 229 Southwest 23rd Terrace. I spent 21 years of my life there in that house since I was out of the hospital in that house. And this house uh, is 1,900 square feet. And that was after they built in the garage. Okay, they enclosed the garage and made another bedroom. We were a family of seven. Five kids, two parents. So you can imagine 1,900 square feet in this house, right? But here's the interesting thing that I want to share with you guys. Until I was a teenager, I thought that I had plenty of room and life was good and I thought we were well off. I thought, man, we have, we have, we have more than what we need. We're blessed. In this, in this neighborhood, right now, it's all student housing because it's right across the street is the University of Florida, the largest college in the state. And it was right across the street. Now this is all student housing. Uh, there's students everywhere. So there are really not even any families there anymore. But when I grew up, there were families everywhere. And man, we had a neighborhood. It was awesome. You know, we would play football, basketball. We had it all. We had, we had a whole crew of kids and we had so much fun. And there were kids that had bigger houses than I had, but it really didn't matter. You know, there was no hang-up. There was a kid a block away. He had this huge house. But, you know, him and I were eye-to-eye were eye in the sense that, you know, he didn't see me as poor and, and I didn't see him as rich. We were friends. The way my parents raised us to think is that we have all we need. I want to show you a picture of my, my, my parents and my aunt and uncle. Uh, my aunt and uncle, they, they've uh, since gone and passed, but this is my mom and dad, and they all migrated from Cuba in 1959, and then my uncle in 1962, he migrated. And my dad and my uncle, my mom, my mom and my aunt did not have to work, which is an incredible statement in the, the society we live in, that moms don't have to work if they choose not to. But my dad was a very successful civil engineer. I worked for a consulting firm. He traveled all over. And my uncle was one of the head surgeons, neurosurgeons, at Shands Teaching Hospital, the large, largest teaching hospital at that time in the southeast. He was one of the head neurosurgeons. Very prominent man. He went to Harvard Med School. Guess what he drove around in? 
my uncle. No, a Volkswagen bug. Had no air conditioning, had no air conditioning. Let me tell you, and it's hot in, in Gainesville, Florida in the summer. It is very hot, humid. I mean, just sticky. This guy was at the top of his field. There was, there was no doctors, no lawyers driving around in a Volkswagen bug in my hometown. He did. And these two men taught me a great deal about what it means to be rich. And so for a long time in my life, I thought, we're set. But something happened in high school that changed the way I thought about myself. And it was when a friend of mine, and he was a pretty close friend of mine, I would go to his house and we would hang out. And then two doors down, there was this girl that I liked that was his neighbor. And I think she liked me. But he didn't like the fact that she liked me and that I liked her. And so he threw a little something out there, and I, he didn't know I heard it, but I heard it. I overheard what he said. He asked, he asked this girl, he said, uh, have you ever been to Peter's house? And she said, no. Said, well, it's a poor house. It's a small house. And I heard him say it. And for the very first time, I looked at this house differently. You see, I thought now that he said that, I live in a small house. And so everything that these guys taught me, and my interesting thing about my uncle is he had a similar size house, about, you know, 1,900 square feet or, or, or maybe, maybe 2,000 square feet. You know, and it just, like, he was at the top. And yet, he lived extremely modestly. But for the first time, my friend basically affected the way that I thought about myself. And in thinking about this lesson, I want you to understand where you live, your socioeconomic status doesn't necessarily have to do with where you live or the size house that you live. It's the mentality that you have. And so hopefully in the next five weeks, in the next five weeks, you can retrain your mind to think correctly to think the way God intended because what my friend did to me was a tremendous disfavor because he basically made me look at my situation from a negative vantage point when it wasn't at all. It was in, I was incredibly, incredibly blessed. Okay, so what's rich? Let's talk about what rich is. You ready? Rich is always having more compared to somebody else. Who are the rich people? Well, it's those people. It's not me, but it's those people. It's somebody else. It's, it's the guy with, with more money than I have. And, and, and rich, the whole idea of rich, what it means is having extra. Having more than you need. That, that's kind of the category of, of rich. Having that little extra that, that you, you think you need. And I just want to say this today. You're richer than you think. You're a lot richer than you think. And God wants to help us out with this. But a lot of us don't think we're rich because we don't know how to be rich. So for the next five weeks, we're going to teach you on how to be rich. So in case you do get that blessing, and I know some of you pray about it. You pray about it a lot. Okay, you're praying that God will help you out and be blessed. But 
you don't want that blessing yet. Wait five weeks, then you'll be ready for the blessing. Okay? Then you'll know how to manage it. And then still it'll be a struggle. And some of you are fighting so hard to climb that ladder. You know, and you're doing so much. But then when you get there, will you know how to manage it? So here's the whole teaching. This is kind of the overarching teaching that we're going to get from this next five weeks is this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6 in verse 18 and 19. You're, you're welcome to study it, but we'll start out in verse 17. What it says here is, Paul said this to the church, to the Christians. He said, command those who are rich in this present world. When you first start out with this phrase, command those who are rich, you can say, well, that doesn't apply to me, right? I just skip right over these verses because I'm not rich. And I could probably think as, as, as your minister, I could say, well, we, we don't even need to talk about this verse. Why? Because we're not rich in this room. I don't know that we have any multimillionaires in the church. If you are, then you're hiding it. And that's okay. That's, that's actually smart. That's actually smart of you. The millionaire next door, you never had any idea. But this could go right over our head. But here's the interesting thing. He says, command those who are rich in this present world okay and now that's where things and here's something you need to understand about your life your world is not the world and too many of us man we get we get you know the 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 narrow vision tunnel vision we think my life my situation is the world it's not there's a whole nother world out there so rich we think is the other person who has more than me but have, how many times have you ever flipped it and looked backwards at the people that don't have what you have? How many of us have ever visited a place, another country, another world, where you go, oh my, I'm, he's looking across the room at me and I'm incredibly wealthy because you stayed in a hotel or you stayed in somebody's house and they... They, they welcomed you, and you're, you're sitting in a, in, a, in a shack or a small, I mean, my house would be a mansion in some parts of the world, even though from our vantage point, you go say, well, that's, that's kind of small for a family of seven. But in many places of the world, I would be seen as rich, and so would you. And you travel there, and you go there, and you do all this benevolent work, and I've done it many, many times over. I've gone into these very shanty towns, and, and, and you know, and you go and you help the poor, and you serve the poor, and then you go there for a week, and you walk away, and you go, man, I'm so grateful. I am rich. But you get back, and after a few weeks, what happens? You get amnesia. <laughs> and you go back to thinking that you're poor again, or you're not rich. And this is a huge problem. Compared, and this is a phrase, compared to some people, many of us are rich in this present world. Many of us. All right, let me break it down for you. Okay, you ready? This is where I can get it. Really exciting. If you make $37,000 in a year, okay, you are in the top 4% of wage earners in the world. If you make $37,000 a year. In California terms, that'd be like, man, that, that, that'd, be a, 
That'd be a bad situation. That, that, that's like a downgrade. That'd be a cut in salary. If you make $48,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. So I think there are a lot of us in this room here today that you're rich, right? You're rich. Why, why is, there, is there a celebration? You know, why are we celebrating? Why are we jumping up and down? I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. I'm in the top 4% of the world. I'm in the top 1%. Why? Why aren't you celebrating? Why aren't you fired up? Hey, I think congratulations are in order. You're rich. You're rich. You're rich. And if there's one thing you can start doing when you walk out of here today is saying that. Look at your situation and get grounded. That's what Paul is trying to say to us is that we are rich. But here's a problem. How come, how come we don't feel rich? We hear this information and we don't feel rich. Why? See, because there's a huge difference between being rich and feeling rich. Okay? There's a huge difference. And let me tell you something about wealth because you have it. Wealth has side effects. Wealth has side effects. And we're going to talk about a few of those today, but here's one of the side effects of wealth. Rich people confuse being rich with feeling rich. When's the first time that you felt rich? I can tell you the first time I felt rich. I was a high school student. I was working at public supermarkets, and I was a bag boy. And I got my first paycheck. I had no expenses. I was living at home with my parents. So guess what all that check, all that money meant to me? I'm rich. I got a lot of money. Not, on, not only did I get a check, but, you know, after a couple of weeks of working at public supermarket, I would get tips from the older ladies, and I learned the game. And see, in public supermarkets, you weren't supposed to take tips, right? It's like they don't, they don't, they don't like that. You don't take tips. You do it for free. It's a service that you provide. But some of these old ladies were so insistent. <laughs> you know, they were so sweet and they were so insistent. And so they would tell me, and you could kind of take it. You need it. You're, you're, in, you're in school and, you know, you need it. And so, all right, I'm take the money. Okay, and then finally I just caved in all together, right? And then all the other, all the other bag boys, we caved in together. And so after a whole day of taking all these ladies, and sometimes you, you, we get the rich lady, you know, and she'd have her, you know, her big station wagon, and she'd get two carts of food, right? And it was a lot of food. She must have had a big family, or she was having a big party, and she would give out big money. And so there were days where I would come home and my wallet would be sticking, my, my pocket would be sticking out. And when I would walk, it would go ching, 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 ching. So let me just say, I felt incredibly rich at that time in my life. So here's, here's the moral of the story. Get a minimum wage job, move in with your parents, and you'll be rich. Okay, that's how... That's how you can do it, okay? And I don't want to make fun because some of you are in that situation right, right now in your life, okay? I don't want to make fun of you, but one of the things that, 
here, here's the whole idea. What makes people feel rich? This word right here, margin. Margin. However much you have above and beyond your expenses, your margin. Here's the, it's called an extra buffer, that extra amount. This is what makes you feel rich. If you have a big margin, guess what you feel? Man, you're loaded. Okay? But if you have a small margin, guess what you feel? You don't feel rich. And if you have no guess what you feel? Poor. Margin does this. It provides the freedom to spend more combined with the power to spend less. And, you know, th this, is, this is how you're going to know. But let me say this. If you want to feel rich, then downsize your expenses. Lower your expenses. Now, downsize, I mean, you may need to change where you live. You may need to change that car that you drive and get rid of it and get a used car that's paid off. Maybe you're going to have to stop eating out as much. Maybe your kids that are going to a private school are going to have to go to a public school, et cetera, et cetera. But if any of this makes you feel uncomfortable, any of these downsizing changes make you feel uncomfortable, like, oh, I don't know if I like this part of the lesson. <laughs> Guess what? You're rich. If, if downsizing makes you feel uncomfortable, you are rich rich. Just write it down. It's a fact. Here's another side effect of being rich. Rich people are plagued with, they're plagued by discontentment. They're so unhappy. Because here's the thing with money. It's like an appetite. What happens when you feed an appetite? Okay, you get, get a little taste. That's what they do, you know, in some of those super, super stores and super, you know, places. They give you free samples, right? Don't you love those places where you get free samples? I mean, you could have a whole meal in a free samples place. I've done that. You're hungry, man, and you just go around to all the free, free stuff. And sometimes they won't remember if you're nice with a lady, she'll give you a second one. And you can have a salad, cheese, beef, soup, chips, and then top it off with some dessert, all in one, right? Why do you think they do that? It's kind of stupid just giving away food, isn't it? No. They know. It's actually really smart. Feed an appetite, guess what you're going to want? More. That's what happens with rich people. They have an appetite, they feed that appetite, and guess what? That appetite never is satisfied. It's never satisfied. And people want more and more. And so here's the principle. The more people have, the more people want. All right, let's get, let's get, let's get real with, you know, us here in the room. The more people, no, the more you have, the more you want. So let's, let's be honest here. The whole idea of being rich can be a game. It can be an illusion. It can be a trap. Because more you have, the more you're going to want. And you'll never, ever, ever be happy.
and satisfied. And see, God knows this about us. He knows this, and he's going to help us out. I want to tell you a story about this, this gentleman, uh, a doctor. His name is Sir William Gull. In, in 1866, he basically uh, diagnosed a rare disease at the time. And it was known nowhere they could not treat these people, these affected people, with any medical treatment whatsoever. They could not treat them. They could not help them. And the disease that he classified was this, anorexia nervosa. This one was first found in 1866. Perfectly at the time when media was out there telling women, this is what your body needs to look like. And what did they call those things that women would put around their, their, their waist? Corset. Not very popular today, but they would have corsets and they would pull them tighter and tighter and tighter because your, your body, according to the magazines and the media, your body had to look like an hourglass, had to be perfectly shaped. And that's when this started. There were women coming into the, to the hospital, and he diagnosed it. And let me, let me tell you about anorexia. Gold's colleagues said this. They discovered that no clinical factors that a medical staff could treat this disease. It's a disease which no one recognized before its existence. It attacks the body despite the fact it exists only in the hidden recesses of the brain. It wasn't a tangible virus or bacteria that could be treated. It was totally in the brain. It was a, it's a sinister deception that hijacks the mind and programs it to destroy its own host organism. There are 8 million cases of anorexia nervosa in the United States right now. And you know what you have to do to treat someone with anorexia? You have to convince them they're not overweight. And many of the women who struggle with anorexia are convinced they're overweight. When you look at them, you say they're not overweight. And they're great at losing weight. But yet they cannot accept the fact that they are not fat. They can't do it. Here's the thing about the tie-in. The mind is a very powerful thing. Incredibly powerful. How does this tie in with what we're talking about? It's an exact parallel. The richer you get, the more your priorities begin to separate from your actual needs. You have a lot, but you think you're poor and you think you don't have enough. So what do you do? You struggle, you fight, you're unhappy, you think you're poor, when in reality you are rich and basically you implode your whole life. How many people do we know that have died, famous people that have died from anorexia? How many people do you know who've ruined their lives because of a mental disorder with thinking that they were poor when in fact they were very wealthy? 
And I've seen this over and over again. So many people have ruined their lives by trying to achieve a certain level of wealth, and they never, ever, ever made it. Played the lottery, they did this, they did that. They were always pursuing, always thinking that they weren't there. And yet the whole time in their life, they had it all. So, I want you to imagine this, you having a conversation with someone from the third world, a third world country, explaining to them your financial pressures that you feel in your life right now. I mean, imagine sitting across the room with somebody, and I'd be in your shoes, okay? I would feel incredibly ashamed venting my problems with somebody in a third world condition. And we should feel ashamed because our problems are ludicrous. They're self-inflicted. Now, this whole series is not about making you feel guilty because guilt does not motivate for very long. But something does. Gratitude motivates a lot. And I hope that in the, in the, in the, through the time of this series that you can, you can stop and be grateful for what you have, that you can return like me back to my childhood home and remember how grateful we are, how well provided we are before that conversation that I overheard with my high school friend Amen. to the girl that I was interested in. I want to go back to that. And God wants to take us back to that because some of us, are, are, are so unhappy because we have a brain disorder, thinking we're somewhere where we're not. When in reality, in this world, we're incredibly wealthy. We're, we're living in the, one of the wealthiest nations in the world and, and one of the wealthiest times in human history. There's not been a wealthier time than right now in our society. Even the, the, the United States Treasury has documented that people's wages have gone up, not down. Everybody throughout the United States, that poverty levels have gone way, way, way down in the United States. But do people feel happier now that they have all this wealth? No, they don't. And it just goes to show there's something wrong. Now, here's the problem. You're rich, but you're not good at it. You're not good at it. I'm not good at it. This series is just for me. I'm so excited about it because I want to learn how to be rich. And who knows, maybe one day, you know, God will bless me with more, and then I'll know what to do with it. All right, now let me just say this. Uh, it wasn't a great career move to be a minister and think about wealth. They, they, don't, okay, they don't mix. For some rare cases, but for most cases it, it doesn't, doesn't mix. But I want you to understand, if you're good at something, guess what God is going to do? He's going to bless it. He's going to bless you more because there, and we'll talk about that in the coming weeks, there's my faithful steward of what I've given him. He manages it well. And you young guys here in the group, if you could just stop texting for a minute. Stop, just, hey, get this. If you guys get good at being rich, guess what? You just might be rich. And you just might be very, very fired up, happier than somebody with 10 times as much as you have. And you'll be rich the way the Bible defines it. Now, this whole idea of an upgrade, let, let's talk about the whole mentality of, of rich people. 
Rich people are people that have a perfectly good working thing, product, TV, car, and they trade it in for a newer and better one. I mean, who does that? They don't, they don't wait till it breaks and then buy a new one. They, they, they get a perfectly new iPhone that works great, and they'll go and get a new iPhone. Why? Because this one didn't work? No, because they want the newer one. That, my friend, is a rich person. They take a perfectly good working car. Okay, it works great. They'll go to the dealer. The car's working awesome. It's a great car. It works perfectly. And they go to the dealer, and then they pay money for their car to give them their car and get a newer, nicer car. That right there is a rich person. That's what rich people do. They upgrade. They've got a flat screen TV that works awesome, but guess what it doesn't have? Wireless capabilities. And it doesn't have the, the perfect picture quality. Still, and so they take this one and say, hey, you, you want my old flat screen? And they make themselves feel better. So here, have my old flat screen. You have it. And then they go buy a brand new one. Why? Because the other one's broke? No. And this is the whole cycle of what rich people do over and over again. Let me tell you some stories about people in high levels because you could think, man, if I had that much money, I wouldn't buy a new one. Let me just tell you. Sports Illustrated came out with a, a, a study on NFL football players. This will blow your mind. How much do NFL football players get paid? Wow. Let me tell you, NFL football players, 78% of them, within two years of retirement, are bankrupt or financially stressed out. Within two years. And you go, man, if I had that money, I wouldn't be stressed out. And I wouldn't be filing bankruptcy. NBA players, 60% of them are broke within five years of walking off the court. What's their problem? They have no idea how to be wealthy. And here's the thing. Many of us don't know how to be wealthy because no one ever taught us how to be rich. After this next five weeks, you're going to know how to be rich. So if God does bless you, you're going to know what to do with it. And I promise you, you're not going to get this teaching in a lot of places. Okay? You're not going to get it in school. You're not going to get it in college. And you're sure not going to get it on the evening news or in any documentary. It's just the opposite. They're going to teach you something that could very well destroy your life, like our NBA players and our NFL players. So sad. And don't even get me started with lottery winners. Okay? We could be here the rest of the morning, but some of you got to go because you want to watch those basketball games. So here's the teaching. Here's the teaching. This is so important that we really get this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. When you have more, what happens? And we're going to talk about this in the coming weeks. You get arrogant. You think you're better than other people or better. You elevate yourself. Bad, bad move. Bad decision. Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So does God want to hinder us? No, man, he wants to bless your life. God wants you to enjoy your life. 
But this idea of becoming wealthy and rich does not help you enjoy your life. It actually makes you unhappier. God can teach you and help you to be happier and enjoy your life the way it was intended. Verse 18, command them, command them to do good. And here's the teaching. The Bible's actually telling you, be rich. It's a command. Be rich. So I want you to hear God saying these words to you, okay? Let's say it together. Be rich. Be rich. Okay, this is what God is saying to you. Be rich. Oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a prosperity gospel. We shouldn't. No, no, no. Hey, this is what it says. Read it for yourself. Go home and read it. Read it. Go through it. But the right kind of rich, the right kind of rich to be rich in what? Good deeds. Good deeds. Good deeds. And to be what? Generous. Now, to be generous, guess what you have to have? You've got to have something, right? And be willing to share, to live a life. And now, let me just say this, guys. Our church is incredibly, incredibly generous, and I'm so proud of our church. What we've done, what we've done over the years, year after year after year after year, we give so much money away. And these activities, we go, to, we go to Pomona and we do all these activities. We're, we are a wealthy church, but here's the problem. You don't feel it. And that's wrong. So we've got to reprogram our minds. We've got to reprogram the way we think so that we can be rich the way the Bible is teaching us to, to, to be rich. Now here's some other principles. The richer people get, the smaller the percentage of money they give away. Be careful with wanting more. Because here's what happens. They give less. And this has been studied across the board, bar none. The more you get, the less you give. Do you know that Orange County is one of the wealthiest areas geographically in our country? But per capita, they give less. Percentage-wise, they give less than any other county. So how does that fit? Well, it's exactly what this principle says. And it'll be exactly your situation. If you begin to make more, guess what? You spend more and you give less. And that's a bad principle. And the reason is, is no one taught them to be rich. Orange County needs some teaching on how to be rich. And we need some teaching on how to be rich. And you will be happier along the way. Here's another side effect of being wealthy. Rich people suffer from a mig the migration of hope. So their hope is if you're a faithful follower of Jesus and God, who and where do you put your hope? In Jesus and God. But when you become wealthy, what happens? There's a migration. What was once your hope in God now, trans now transitions into being hope in your wealth. And so there's a shift. God is no longer God, but my God now is money and my wealth. Wealth becomes a substitute for God. See, because you don't need God. Because you've got enough food to last you. Your cupboards are filled. Your bank is filled. You have everything you need. You've got medicine. You've got the doctors. You're covered. All your needs are covered. What do you need God for? And this is what happens to wealthy people. And so Jesus said it this way. You can read the rest of it 
uh, I would encourage you to go over and read it. It's in your discussion questions. This whole section from Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34, read it. Jesus is teaching about this principle of substituting wealth for God. He says it this way, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and drink, and about your bodies, what you will wear is not life more than food and body more than clothes. And he basically goes on to say, why are you guys so stressed out about your stuff when in reality God has taken care of you? Enjoy what you have versus what you don't have. And then at the end, he says in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. It's a powerful passage. I want to encourage you to read it. Okay, so here's the question at the end. How much money would you need to secure your future against all imaginable eventualities? How much? Okay. How much would you need? Uh, mill. Million. Two million. You know, this is what retirement uh, investment bank brokers do. They look at your salary now and they tell you how much you're going to need to retire at your same life state. And they'll tell you what the number is, the magic number. Guess what the magic number is, bar none. Guess what the number is? More than you currently have. (laughs) How much money do you need to secure your future against all imaginable eventualities? More than you have. That's the mentality of our world today. So basically, over and over and over and over and over again, you're telling yourself you do not have enough. When in reality, you have more than you think. It's what you're doing with what you have that is creating the problem in your life. And if you want God to bless you with more, what are you doing with what you have now? It's huge. And so if you and I go over this, and so let me leave you with these points. To go over your discussion questions are right here on the back. And if you forget your sheet or you leave it somewhere, you can go on our website and you can click on the button there on our website and it'll be there in color. Okay, so you can go over it. I, I, please, I want to encourage you guys because a lot of times we just throw it out there and yeah, go over it in your discussion groups. No, please, please take the time to go over this. Please, if you're married, sit down and talk with your husband or your wife about these things because some of you are excre- extremely unhappy and stressed out about your financial situation and your future. Okay, and, and you may need to have a party. We're rich. Man, we're rich. Celebrate. Cheap celebration, but celebrate. And then number three is, or number two is pray about your margin. Pray about your margin. How much margin do you have? And next, next week we're going to go over the, the consumption assumption. That's next week's. And man, you're going to see some stuff in there that's really going to open your eyes, and you're going to go, wow, I need to change the way I think. And you're going to see it day in and day out, how our, our media and, and our society, you walk out of here today and you're going to look in the parking lot and you're going, man, that's a nice car. I need that car. I need a car like that. When you've got a perfectly working vehicle, you don't need that. Okay, and don't stay around for the Latin service because, man, that'll shock you what's out there. Okay, I'm serious. 
That's another time, another talk. Number three, come back next week. If you're here this week, if you're here next week, you're going to learn a lot. Come back for the next five weeks, okay, including Easter at six. This is really, really going to help you. And some of you may need to go over these lessons again. And if you're a guest here today, I just want to tell you how important it is to study the Bible. Do, do our core four Bible studies, okay? Don't, don't just come to church. Go deeper. Understand who God is in your own life. All right? Now we're going to close out with the communion, okay? And then we're done. Right on time. Now, let's talk about Jesus. What did Jesus do for us in the area of wealth? I found this awesome, awesome passage. Jesus was tempted by the devil as he went out and he was, you know, he was fasting for 40 days. And the devil offered him all, you know, all riches the world could offer. He showed him the splendors of, of riches, you know, of all that could be had here on this planet. And you know what Jesus said? Ah, I don't need any of that. You know why? Because you haven't seen the city where I'm from. You haven't seen the place where I'm from. Where I'm from, this is all trash. Okay, this is, this, this what you guys have here are the slums. Where I come from, that's where it's at. Streets of gold. I mean, they, they try in the book of Revelation, they try to describe it, you know, with, with you know, minerals and jewels and all these things, but it, it, no, nah, it, it just can't even describe it. He says, that's where I'm from. So away from me, Satan. Worship the Lord your God. Now this is where Jesus came from. He came here for a specific purpose. And look what he had to do to help you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich on a throne with God in heaven, Yet for your sake, for your sake, for your sake, for your sake, he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. There it is. What's God's desire for you? Be rich. But true riches true riches. Jesus became poor. How poor? Palestine in the first century. In the province of Palestine. He worked in construction for most of his young life with his father. And construction in those days, there was no unions, there was no hydraulics. There were no trucks. It was hard labor. It was grueling temperatures. He did that for a time, and then, as a poor man, sandals, walked the earth, and was treated like trash for our sake. He was treated like a criminal so that you and I could be elevated and get our sins forgiven, and also in this area of finances, maybe be able to hit the restart button 
and start over again and learn how to be truly wealthy on the inside. Jesus went through that. And as you take the communion today, I want you to appreciate what Jesus did for you. He became poor for you. Would you be willing to become poor for somebody else? Really? Palestine poor? Providential Palestine poor? Would you be willing to go to jail and be treated as a, 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 a traitor and be murdered to help somebody else become wealthy? Would you do that for somebody? Probably not. But that's what Jesus did for you. So when we get this teaching, guys, let's, let's, let's embrace it. Let's appreciate it. Let's value it because it costs so much what Jesus went through for us. Let's pray for the communion. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for this, this incredible, incredible teaching that you're giving us. I pray, Father, that you'll please be with us and help us, God. We, we, right now, we want to lift up Jesus. Thank you so much for what he did for us, God, that he became poor. He became a criminal. He became uh, what, we, what we deserved. God, he was crucified. He was mistreated. He was abused. He was pushed aside and then killed. He bled on a cross for us. I pray, Father, that you'll please uh, forgive us and Help us to start fresh in this area that we're talking about. And anything else that happened this week, God, that we've fallen short of what you expect. If we're guilty, and God, we know we're far from you. Please forgive us and help us to start fresh. Help us to give us our whole life to you and do our best out of gratitude for what Jesus did. We love you. Thank you. Bless this communion. In Jesus' name, amen.